welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. I've loved this series. Um, now, if you're here for the first time, we've been going through the book of Nehemiah and uh, sort of don't want it to end, really. Uh, this is the last chapter, but the good news is, is Pastor Josh is going to do an overview, overview next week, so it's not completely coming to an end. So, so that's good. I'm happy about that. Um, and uh, we, we've got limited time, so buckle up, because I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to flick through these slides, um, so just get ready. And look, I just, you know, in light of what uh, Pastor Josh was saying, and about the devil, and that we have an adversary, this whole book of Nehemiah is about rebuilding the walls, it's about re-establishing the temple, it's about restoring the word of God and that's all for a purpose. So you don't just set up the temple in the place of worship and rebuild walls and, and then it's all nice to look at because what that then does, it prepares us for something, it prepares us for war, it prepares us for battle. And I've got seven points I'm going to go through really quick but I think this will help arm you and prepare you for the task that is ahead for us as a church here in Malaga and Ellenbrook and Zambia, but globally. I think this, this book is a prophetic book speaking to us right here, right now for what we're called to. It's time to take more ground. It's time for us to greater initiatives and more initiatives like Alter One that God will lay on your heart. I'm trusting even this morning. I want to give you a snap, though, before we hit the book of Nehemiah and simply going back um, to where it all began, where God speaks to Abraham and, and says, Abraham, in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, he says to him, get out, or Abraham at the time, uh, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, what this means is that God promised Abraham. This is a covenant he made with Abraham, and it still stands today. And we see right throughout history, from Abraham through to Isaac, through to Jacob, then the 12 tribes, and then the establishment of the kingdoms, the north and south, we see that they became a people. There was the 12 tribes, but they insisted that they have a king, so they appointed Saul. And then from Saul, there was David, and from David, there was Solomon, and the list goes on. And then we see that uh, they end up going into, um, from Solomon, then the, the, the kingdoms were established, but then what happens is that uh, they fight internally, they take their eyes off God, they begin to uh, involve themselves with, with pagan people, and then Babylon comes through and takes them captive. And this is where we come now into this time in history with Nehemiah and the reestablishment of the walls. So it's interesting to note that um, when, when Nehemiah uh, it started to be, he was called by God, and we read that in the first chapter, um, and just looking at this to sort of set the scene for us, Nehemiah, and you see there's a lot of type and shadow of Old Testament revealed in the New you often hear that saying, Old Testament concealed, New Testament revealed, right? So Nehemiah is like a type of Christ. The walls and the building, the temples is the church, us. 
Bible talks about us being living stones, being knit together. Josh referenced that earlier on with altar one. We're working together. He's knitting us together with Jesus being the chief cornerstone. So there's that type. And so as we go through it, see it like that, and we can draw from parallels. Um, look through that uh, from the first chapter through to now, we see uh, where there's a whole process that takes place from Nehemiah's initial call and burden on his heart through to the establishment of the temple, through to the walls, the, the Torah being read out, um, them devoting themselves, confessing their sin, uh, then they're establishing the Levites and the priests and getting them back doing what they're meant to be doing. And again, this brings us to the point of now we need watchmen on the wall, we need warriors, that's you and I, ready to go. Amen? Great. Okay. Um, and probably the other thing to note as well is that we're looking around about where Abraham was 2100 BC, ne- Nehemiah was at the time around about 465 to 424 BC. And what's interesting with Nehemiah, his name means comfort, uh, Yahweh, to comfort. Um, And then also to note that Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king of Persia. He he had a job, while humble in nature, but important. Essentially, he had to make sure the wine wasn't poisoned uh, before the king got it. What a job. How would you know? And you take a sip of that before you go in. What a job to have, hey? But you know what's so good about it? He was in the palace. And he learned to see how the king and his nobles and all those around ran a whole kingdom. God was preparing him. He was preparing him. And uh, so why don't we just pick up, well, in fact, I'm going to put up some slides there just to give you some snaps, but if we could put up that slide there uh, where, with the, the various walls, just to give you a little insight there, so fantastic. So just to note um, how this, the, the walls came about, David actually defeated the Jebusites, and they had uh, some walls and, and, a, and a city, and David took it over, and eventually that actually was the start of Jerusalem and, and the walls uh, this being established. But it wasn't until King Solomon came that he then built the walls and built the temple. But what's interesting is these walls continue to actually, we see they get destroyed, Hezekiah before Nehemiah. So I don't know if you know that. The walls came down a few times. It's not just in Nehemiah. And then Nehemiah builds it and then he establishes it. But it goes on and there were, the walls came down a number of times. There were four empires, Persian, Greek, Babylonian, and Roman, and during those times of persecution, the walls were attacked. And we need to be aware as a church, the devil, as we heard earlier on, is constantly trying to come after us, to destroy the walls of the very thing that God wants to establish to make his name great. Because we, as the church, are the light of the world. And so we see even with the Roman Empire where those walls were destroyed, and even up into today, history today, we see an empress in 450 after Christ. She actually helped restore the walls. And then we see again through the Crusades, uh, the Christians and the Muslims, they captured, they lost, and they recaptured the Jerusalem. And then it wasn't until 1535 to 1538 that Ottoman Sultan the Magnificent, he was referred, rebuilt the walls at that period. And they stand today as it is. So a little bit of history. 
Um, why don't we put the next slide if you would? Thanks, Wes. So here we go. This, is a, this was in Nehemiah's time. And um, this, again, a little snap, just a little bit of history, a little bit of background. Now, we didn't go through the gates in this series, but it's just good to note that there were a number of gates. There were 10 gates at the time at Nehem, in Nehemiah. There was, the fish, there was the sheep gate, the fish gate. You can see their old gate. And all those gates have some level of significance. Now, I'm not going to go into that because I don't have time, but I wanted to just reference this. It's a great study to have a look at. And, and I'll give you a start, if you like. But if you look at the sheep gate, that's talking about our salvation. Sheep come into the, to the, to the shepherd. And if you work your way around, fish gate is that he said he will make us fishes of men. And you keep going, you have a look at the old gate, it refers to the ancient of days and the, and, and the word of God and the old ways. They, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. We keep going, we go to the valley gate, we go through times of valley experiences. And the list goes on, and, and for time's sake I'm not going to go through it, but really worth studying and having a look at. And then the next slide, just real quick, if we can. So this is today. This is how the gates look today. Um, and it's magnificent. Who's been to Jerusalem here, Anyone? Well, lucky you. I'll tell you, that's a good plan. I'm, I'm, that's on the bucket list for sure. I want to go there and see this. But it's interesting that there were 10 gates initially. Now there's only eight. And some of them have changed their names. It's bizarre. So the top right one there is called the Lion Gate. Right, that's how that one looks. The one to the left bottom is called the Jaffa Gate. So I'm not sure whether when you walk through that they give you Jaffas. Is that, is that what happens? I'm hoping. Josh is clapping. I'm hoping for that. Uh, and the other one to the right down the bottom, that's actually the Golden Gate. But that actually is in reference to the Eastern Gate. Now, does anyone know the significance of the Eastern Gate? Sorry? Right. Thank you, Brett. It's where Jesus is coming back. But guess what? Look at it. It's shut. It's closed. It's the only gate that is. Now, when Jesus came into Jerusalem on the, on the, on the day the Passover, on Passover, came on a donkey... He came through, and guess where he's coming back? Come on, they're going to be opened. King of glory's coming. Open up the gates. The king of glory's coming on in. All right. So why don't we read from Nehemiah chapter, one, uh, chapter 13, sorry, uh, verse 1 to 3. On that day they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and it was found written that, that no Ammonite or Moabite could ever come into the assembly of God because they had met the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the cursing into a blessing. What's interesting, Ammonites and Moabites, violent individuals. Ammonites wanted to pluck the Jews' eyes out. They were the people that were east of the Jordan, the pagans. And they hadn't quite gone into Canaan at this time, but they sent a prophet to curse them. God sends an angel and says to the prophet, you will bless them. Turn cursing into blessing. That's how God works in our lives. You might feel cursed. You might feel you're in a valley. You might feel you're going through things, but God will send his angels. Convert the curse to the blessing. Yeah, clap it. It's worth it. Amen. Um, and however, our God turned the curse into blessing. So it was when they had heard the law that they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. Point number one, I've got seven points. Here we go. You ready? Speak out. I oh know Josh is going, how are you going to manage that? I've got 20 minutes. Oh, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. It strengthens me. 
and Josh at my heels, right? <laughs> okay, speak out the scriptures. Nehemiah 1, 8, verse, uh, 1, 8, verses 1, 8 to 9, that's what Nehemiah did. He wept, he saw the destruction of Jerusalem, but he prays, Remember, I pray the word, and he's saying to God, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, then some of you will cast out, and though some of you were cast out to the farthest parts of heavens, yet I will gather them from here and bring them to the place which I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. Psalms 100 says, you can go as far from God to the deepest depths, to the highest heights, but God, he'll find you there. He'll meet you there right where you are and bring him into his fold. Amen. Hebrews 4, 12 to 13 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and an intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Folks, this is number one and a critical point for us in this time of going into warfare, believing God for taking more ground, establishing more initiatives, reaching into our community, into the surrounding regions, seeing the lost saved, plundering hell and populating heaven. We need to declare the word of God. Pastor Josh spoke in chapter, in chapter 8 where they restored the Torah, the, the first five books, the Pentateuch of Moses. Moses wrote the first five. Right? It's interesting, he said, I'm the most humblest man that ever lived, yet he wrote that particular scripture. So uh, there's a revelation right there for you. Um, but we need to declare the word of God. So it's one thing to know it, it's another thing to speak it out. Amen? Jesus spoke it out when he was confronted by the devil. The devil tried to say, why don't you turn? He was hungry 40 days. He fasted and without bread and water. And there he is. And the devil comes to him and said, turn these stones into bread. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, he didn't just take it quietly and just look at him and shun him. He declared the word of God. <clears throat> we need to declare the word in our situations and circumstances in our families' lives. We need to get back to that now. We need to get back to that. We need to read the word. You know, long gone is a time where the scripture just read out and read out and read out. I remember many, many moons ago, and it is many moons ago, but a whole lot of churches rallied and we, they read the script. I don't know if you were there, Yvonne, you would have been there, uh, where they read the scriptures out from noon, from dawn to night, the whole Bible, covered it off in 20, 48 hours. And they had someone, they had a mic set up, they had a, a, a marquee, and they lined everyone up from all churches from everywhere. And they just read through the Bible. And guess what I got? The genealogies. <laughs> I'll never forget that. that was, I was so excited. I was struggling. I was battling through that. Anyway, we need to declare the word. Okay. There uh, we go for time. That's good. Um, you know, I've been saying... My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I've been declaring that over the last few weeks. I just felt I needed to do it. I'm, every morning I'm getting up and I just, it's just been phenomenal. 11 o'clock last night, I signed a contract, sold another property at 11 o'clock at night, mind you. It was back and forth and away we went, but it, it happened. And I'm declaring, I'm seeing that happening. So praise be to God. Declare his word. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And there's a list. Affirm yourself in the morning. Read through the scriptures. Speak them out. Okay. 
uh, reading from verse 4 uh, through to verse uh, 9. Now, before this, uh, Eliashib the priest, having authority and over the storerooms of the house and of our God, was allied with Tobiah, and he prepared for him a large room where previously they had stored the grain offerings, the frankincense, the articles, highs of grain, the new wine and oil, which were commanded to be given to the Levites, the singers and the gatekeepers, and the offerings for the priests. But during all of this, it was not in Jerusalem. I was not in Jerusalem. In fact, it, commentaries say that uh, Nehemiah was away for around about 12 years. It's a long time, right? From the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, and I had returned to the king. Then after certain days, I obtained leave from the king, and I came to Jerusalem and discovered the evil that Elisha had done for Tobiah, <clears throat> excuse me, in preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God, and it grieved me bitterly. Do we get affected like that when the house of God is being, affected, being, being interfered like that? When things are not, do we get grieved? Therefore I threw all the household goods of Tobiah out of the room. Then I commanded them to cleanse the rooms, and I brought back into the articles of the house. I brought back the articles of the house with grain offering and frankincense. Point number two. Sanctify the storerooms. Sanctify the storerooms. We're living stones. We're priesthood. We're in the walls. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He needs us to sanctify. He sanctifies, but he needs us to, to cry out to him and say, Lord, if there are storerooms in my heart, David in Psalms 51 said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And this is the, my favorite bit. And sinners shall be converted to you. What am I saying this morning, guys? What am I saying? If we open our lives as we did, we prayed earlier, and what, what area of my life, Lord? What storeroom of my heart, what area of my heart have I kept from you that's so painful that I can't give to you? What area? If we can let God have his way and deal with us and touch us and do surgery on our lives, he comes so graciously and so beautifully and gently and heals our hearts and deals with those areas. We're perfected. We become more like him. We become mature in him. And we bring glory to him. Don't you want to see sinners converted? Yeah. Brady almost jumped out of his seat when I said sinners converted. <laughs> I saw it in his spirit like he jumped. But that's what we want. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. If we wrap this up in the, in the next 10, I want to give you an opportunity to respond as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. If there are areas in your heart, if you harden your heart, storerooms that need cleansing, I want you to respond this morning. Come, I want to pray with you and see the power of God at work in you because there are many people that need Jesus. That's what we're here for. We exist for our non-members. We exist for our non-members. Let God have his way. Okay, reading from verse 10, I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given them. For each of the Levites and the singers who did the work had gone back to the field. So I contended with the rulers and said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in place. Then all of Judea, all of Judea, 
brought the tithe of the grain and the new wine and the oil to the storehouse. And I appointed, and this is what's going to be happening very soon, distribution of our faith for offering. And I appointed as treasurers over the storehouse those guys in Zadok the scribe and of the Levites, etc., etc., and the son of that, for they were considered faithful. And the task was distributed to the brethren. Point number three, steward your savings. Steward your savings. This is, this, is, this is a key in walking in victory and being a warrior for Christ. Not a warrior, a warrior. All right, Malachi 3, 8 to 10 says this. Now what's interesting, Malachi was a prophet at this time when Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls. And what's interesting, Nehemiah, this is the last record of what happened with the Israelites before there was silence for 400 years. We're at the tail end. This is the last chapter, the last chapter of the last of any news until 400 years later. So we want to be listening, you know, what was said and what was the message for us. Malachi, will, I, will a man rob God? So Malachi was a prophet and he's speaking, the whole book of Malachi is in reference to this. He's speaking into the context of Ezra and nearby and the, and the restoration of Jerusalem and what happened with the, with the offering and the tithes. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have you robbed, we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out of you such a blessing that there will be no room enough to receive it. I'm excited for next Sunday. I'm truly excited. You know, because this is the only one place that I know of in Scripture that where the Lord says, test me. And try me now in this. I mean, how amazing is that? We can say, Lord, okay. And look, here we go. Here's one of that first points. Declare the scriptures. Will you not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that will be not room enough to receive it? I feel, I truly believe we will see an increase across the board, not just in the finances of this church, but in your individual lives as you, as you, as you obey God in this faith offering coming. Try him in this. Try him in this. Will he not open the windows of heaven? Because I can tell you right now, once I give it, guess what I'm going to be declaring for the next few weeks? Lord, as Nehemiah did, remember what you said about Moses. I'm going to be saying, remember Malachi? Remember that prophet of yours? And how you wrote that? Amen? Beautiful. Okay, where are we? Uh, verse 15. In those days I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and loading donkeys with wine, grapes, figs and all kinds of burdens which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them about the day in which they were selling provisions. Men of Tyre dwelt there also who brought in fish and all kinds of goods. Fish, fish gate, that's where it would have gone through. And sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said to them, what evil thing is this that you, that you do by which you profane the Sabbath day? Did, you not, did you not your fathers do this and did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on the city? Yet you bring added wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath? Point number four. Set up your Sabbath. Set up your Sabbath. What do I mean by that? 
Hebrews 4, 9, 11 says this, speaking of Jesus, because he's our Sabbath. He's, everything is realized and fulfilled in Jesus. No longer is that every day that we need to keep, but there's principles outlined here for us. There, there remains therefore a priest for the people of God. For who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from, this, from his works as God did from his. God rested on the seventh day. He didn't need to rest, but he was setting in motion a principle. Let us therefore be diligent to enter into that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. In Colossians 2, 16 to 17, so let, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. The ultimate way we observe the Sabbath today, then, is by embracing its fulfillment. The one who offers eternal rest to anyone who trusts in him. There's a rest in Christ, no matter how much we're going through, no matter how tired we're feeling, no matter how busy we are, whether in ministry or marketplace, children, family, Whatever it is, there's a place of rest in Christ. Now, if you don't rest and spend time with Jesus every day, you're not going to know that rest. You know, I've got a, a barometer, a spiritual barometer, when, I, when I'm just finding I'm struggling and what's going on and, you know, I'm, I'm in church and I'm, you know, doing everything else, but I'm going, it's, I'm, not, I'm like hitting a brick wall. And then I go, oh, Lord, I haven't spent time with you. I haven't been with you. I get back in his presence. Everything changes. Your perspective changes. Your outlook changes. We've got to get with our Sabbath, with Jesus, the fulfillment of the Sabbath. You know, I, I've since established one day a week, apart from every day that I spend time in the Word and in prayer, but I, I've established one day. And in fact, it's on an encounter night. A Monday night, we can have an encounter every fortnight, and that's coming up this Monday, um, where, where we are literally going for it and worship and waiting on God and warfaring and praying and prophesying, you know, like the watchmen on the walls. So, you know, we, we need more watchmen on the walls. So if you'd like to join us, it'd be great if you haven't come along tomorrow night, 6.30. Is that right? 6, 6, sorry, 6. <laughs> Josie's looking at me. 6 o'clock. Uh, we'd love to have you there. But this is all part of what God is doing with us in a preparation for more and more of reaching the world. Um, but just a point to make. You know, have you ever been on holidays? Been hanging out for this holiday? You know, you've prepared for it. You've prepared the finances for it. It's a bit long waiting. The kids are all excited. You're going to Disney World and you go and you just have this amazing time. But you come back. You're as tired as you were before you left, right? What's that all about? Hey, look, there's some logic to it, right? But even in the midst of that, even in the midst, you know, we strive to rest. Let, let him be your rest. Let him be your rest. Okay. We're getting there. A few more points to go. Um, so let's pick it up from... Yeah, let's go to verse 23. And in those days I also saw Jews had married women of Ashod, Ammon, and Moab, 
And half of their children spoke the language of Ashod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of, of one or the other people. Imagine that, having kids. Let's just speak different languages. Don't even speak your language. That'd be different. So I contended with them and cursed them, struck... Oh, jeez. So <laughs> Nehemiah is serious about this. So I struck, contended with them and cursed them, struck some of them and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God, saying, you shall not give your daughters as wives to your sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there was, was no king like him. And reading on, nevertheless, pagan women caused even him to sin. Should we then hear of you doing all this great evil, transgressing against our God by marrying pagan women? I mean, this is serious stuff. What can we learn about it? We need to get serious about separation. That's my next point. Serious about separation. I mean, if I was to illustrate that, right, pretending I'm Nehemiah, right, and I'm going, right, this guy here is Sam. This guy here is Sam. I'm going to give him a flogging because he has just been mucking around and I'm going to teach him a lesson. His kids are all over the place with the Ammonites, Moabites and Jebusites, Vegemites and everything else. Right? And I'm coming in. I said, right, you need a flogging. And I start giving him a flogging. And then I rip his hair out. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. I've ripped his hair out. And that's what needs to happen. Right? We need to discipline our bodies. We need to get serious about being separated. Do not be unequally yoked. Now, look, all the time when this happens, the ladies simply miss out. So, Ellen, where's Ellen? I'm going to, that's it. You had, I've had enough of you. Come here. Give me that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Sorry about that. So that's how we got to get, right? This is like Samson with the, the head of, or was it David? No, David with the Goliath. Anyway, I'm just trying to make a point here, guys. Seriously. But that's, that's what we need to do. Serious about separation. Proverbs 3 12 says, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Right? He loves us. That's why he corrects us. That's why he deals with us, because he wants to perfect us. The whole purpose from the beginning in the garden, Adam and Eve, where they walked with God, the whole purpose in sending Jesus Christ is that we can get back to that place of intimacy with God. Walking freely, no shame, with our King, with our Saviour. And you know what, I'm, really, I, I'm putting this out there. Josh can deal with me afterwards, so I'll put it out there, I've got the mic. But Adam and Eve, right, when God created Adam, he didn't create him half-baked. He was perfect in every way. In fact, he probably was a chocolate colour. You getting it? Picking up one and putting down? Where do you hear that from? You're picking up what I'm putting down, it was chocolate color. He was a blend. He had all the rich genetic makeup of every tribe and tongue within him. Science shows that. Hence, he was that color. But Adam's brain would have been operating at 100%. What percentage are we operating at? 
Does anyone know? Take a guess. Right, most, 10. 10, some less, maybe less. <laughs> maybe some more, <laughs> who knows. Um, but the point is, God is redeeming. He's redeeming us. And I truly believe there's coming a day and age where God is restoring everything. On this earth, not when we get to glory. On this earth, as we wage war, restoring the brain and the mind. There's going to be such creativity and science the world is yet to see. And it's going to be through the church. Amen? Restoring the brain. Serious about separation? Paul did it. He disciplined his body and brought it in subjection. We need to do this. Get serious. Okay, we're ready to land this. Last two points, serve in the Spirit. I'll just simply say this and read the verse. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another. Nehemiah went on and appointed the Levites and the priests to tasks. And that's where this point comes in. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. There it is. That's it. You're led by the Spirit. You're no longer under the law. And so, guys, the word and encouragement to us this morning is pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray every day in the Spirit. Paul says, I'm glad that I pray more than you all. I want to encourage you. This is one of the points to arm yourself. If we're doing warfare, we need to pray in the Spirit. I go hours praying in the Spirit. I meet with Josh regularly every week, and we pray in the Spirit. It's the key. It's the key that will open the heavens. It's the key that he'll speak to you. It's the key that you'll be moved and motivated and led by him. And finally, and I'm adding this point, we need to stand on the stone wall. Ephesians 6 was referenced from the very beginning. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you be able to withstand the, in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore. And having done all to stand. Stand therefore. And 2 Timothy 2.4 says this, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. If you're in the army of God and you're enlisted as a soldier, put your hand up. Give me a wave. Here's the army right here. The army of God. Speak out the scriptures. Sanctify the storerooms. Steward your savings. Set up your Sabbath. Serious about separation. Serve in the Spirit. Stand on the stone wall. I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to make a call. King David fought many battles, won many victories man after God's own heart but he decided one day he wasn't going to go out to the war the Bible says when all the kings went out to war David remained in the palace sees Bathsheba sins with Bathsheba commits adultery 
murders her husband, commits murder. And that's where Psalms 51 comes. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. David should have been out in the battlefield. Are you in the palace or in the battlefield? Are you warring with Jesus or are you taking a back seat? The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by storm. We as a church of grace life are not shrinking back. We're taking ground. It's going to be messy. We're going to have all the opposition in the world. But we're going to take ground. We're going to establish beachheads. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.